And I'm really excited that we get to continue in our Colossians series. I'm actually going to be closing out the book of Colossians today. We're finally done. We've made it through. Congratulations. We are talking uh, today about Colossians Colossians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, you can start turning uh, there. We are calling this series, This Changes everything. And I think that that's a really great like take-home sentence or take-home phrase for us to pick off from the book of Colossians. Paul is writing about a lot of really crazy stuff, and he builds this like beautiful argument as to who Jesus is and then who we should be because of that. And and just like boils down to like this changes everything, right? If what Paul is saying in the book of Colossians is true, if all of those things are true and we believe them, then it should change the way that we live our lives. It should change everything, sorry, excuse me, <clears throat> it should change everything about us. And so today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to invite our friends up, I'm going to invite Dale up to come read uh, the passage. So if you could stand, we're going to go ahead and read this passage. I want you to pay attention nice and close to the words, the exact words Paul uses here. So Dale, you can take it away for us. Thank you. Further instruction, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open doors for our message that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in ways you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that no one may know the answer to, so you may answer to everyone. A final greeting. Tychius will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending you him for express purpose that you may know about our circumstance and the encouragement of our hearts. He is coming with Onesius, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends his greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You know and received instructions about him, for he, if he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among the co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have provided comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always writing in prayer, always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all with God. Nature has fully assured. I vouch for him as he works hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha, who has a church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read at the, church of, at the church of Laodicea, and then read the letter from Laodicea. Acropolis, see that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, Remember my chains, grace be with you. Thank you. Great church, you can have a seat. There is a lot there at the end of the book of Colossians. And if you're reading through quickly, it may just seem like Paul is just tacking on a few names at the end. He's calling out his homies. He's giving a shout out to his friends. Hey, here are some of my friends. Here's some of the last things I want to give for you before we close out this letter. Um, Your Bibles may have this... this chapter split into two different sections. The first section, if you can hit the next slide for me, the the first section we're going to call further instructions. Paul wants to give one last 
note. One final point, a few points actually, of one more thing I wanna, I wanna slide in there. One more thing I wanna teach you about because it's really important that we change the way that we do things based on what we've read here in the book of Colossians. And so Paul is gonna really tackle three different things. You can go ahead and hit the next slide for me. Paul is gonna really tackle three areas of change. He's gonna tackle three important sections of our lives that he thinks should change. And, it, and he actually even kind of provides it in like this three-step process kind of a way. I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm reading the book of Colossians and Paul's telling me to do. Go do this. And I'm like, why? You know, I don't want to. I, I don't like being told what to do. I don't like following instructions. I want to know why. And, and for him to give me this like three-step process, this three areas of change, is, it's really nice. He's like explaining it all out. He's gonna show us the process that he wants us to, to look at or to use in any situation of our lives. He's gonna talk about these three areas of change. The first one that he's gonna talk about, you can go ahead and hit the next slide for me, is prayer. He starts this section in Colossians right there in verse two, and he says, jump into prayer. He says the first thing that he, he, he tells us to do is to jump into prayer. I really like using that, that verb, jump into. It's something I use with my students a lot. Paul is telling us to be watchful in our prayer. That's the word that he uses there in the NIV. He says to be watchful in our prayer. What that really is teaching us, what he's trying to show us, is that he wants us to be quick. He wants us to jump to prayer quickly. Now, this is something, sure, I, yeah, I'm on board with that, of course. You're shaking your heads like, yeah, I should be jumping to prayer quicker. I should be leaning into prayer faster. A situation arises in my life, good or bad, whatever, I should be jumping to prayer faster. That's that's an easy head shake, drink the coffee type of of a comment. Yeah, of course. But when that plays out in our lives, that's super difficult. That's countercultural. It's counter to what you want to do. A situation's gonna come up in your life, again, good or bad and you're gonna just respond. A good situation comes up, you're gonna respond with joy and, and, and be excited and be happy, but you may be quick to forget to pray or to give thanks. A bad situation comes up in your life and you, you're gonna be quick to complain, you're gonna be com- quick to be frustrated, but sometimes we'll be quick to forget to pray. And so I think Paul uses that word watchful quite intentionally. He wants us to change the way that we initially respond to situations. We have to be quick to jump to prayer. Okay, Paul, maybe you're good at that. Paul, I'm pretty good at that. I've got that one kind of figured out. But then he adds in a second piece to the puzzle of prayer. He wants us to pray not, not just quickly, but with thanks as well, with thanksgiving. This is something that Paul and Jesus and the other writers in the New Testament talk about a lot, praying with thanksgiving. And for me, that is like really frustrating. I get frustrated at that. I get angry at that. Because on paper, we could say, yeah, I'm supposed to pray quickly with thanksgiving, and that feels nice. Yeah, I can can try my best to do that. But then that person shows up in my life. Right? That person that's just getting on my nerves week after week, that coworker that's just really frustrating, or that, in my case, that student that just won't listen to me, or, 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 or whatever the situation may be, whoever that person is in your life, right? they show up. And I know for a fact your response is, God, thanks for giving me this person. Lord, I'm just going to be so, I'm not going to respond with anger first. I'm going I'm to be quick. 
I'm going to pray to you and I'm going to say, God, thank you. I really appreciate this person. I really appreciate that they just know how to hit every single little button. I'm just so thankful that they just get on my nerves in the worst way. But like, that's exactly what Paul is asking us to do. That's almost exactly, he's, he's telling us, you've got to get down there and you've got to be thankful for those types of things. James talks about this in his letter. He says that we should consider it joy, right? Ah, that's, are, you, are you serious, James? I'm supposed to consider that person joy. I'm supposed to pray quickly with thanksgiving. What? That's counter. It's countercultural. It's counterhuman. It's going to frustrate you. But it's an important piece of the puzzle. It's an important piece. Paul lays it down first. One last thing before you go, you've got to pray. And you've got to do it quick. And you have to do it with thanksgiving. This also is going to play into the second area of change and the second piece of the puzzle. Paul wants us to change our perspective. And sure, this, this definitely plays into the prayer aspect. They definitely bleed into each other quite well. Right, in, in, in the verses three and four, Paul uses, he, he uses some interesting language. He, he's asked that you pray quickly and that you pray with thanksgiving, but then he says, and pray for us also. Pray for me also, the, the people that are writing this letter. Pray for the ministers of the gospel that we may proclaim the mysteries of the gospel clearly. Okay, that's, that's Paul's prayer. And, and I think Paul's prayer there is so interesting. If you're the reader of this letter of, Col- uh, of Colossians or you're uh, in the audience and this letter is being read to you, you really look up to Paul. I mean, we look up to Paul, don't we? He's an incredible writer. He's an incredible theologian. And we think, man, Paul has got it figured out. He's got the right words to say. And I think that happens a lot of times in our churches even today. We see people like me get up on stage and give a message and do well or, or, or whatever, and we say, man, they've got it figured out. They, they know the secrets. They've got the mysteries of the gospel figured out. And Paul does not send that message at all. He says, pray for me. I need help. I, I don't even have these things figured out. He uses the word mysteries intentionally. I love that word, the mysteries of the gospel. Even even Paul says, I don't even have everything figured out. He wants us to change our perspective. He wants us to be real. This is something that here at Mission, we believe so much. It's implanted in our mission statement. We want to be real. And this is something that, that I believe in so heavily. I mean, I will like die on the hill of our mission statement because I I believe being real is so important. In our community this week, there has been a lot of tragedy. We've seen suicide, we've seen death, we've seen illness, we've seen all sorts of terrible, terrible situations. I really don't believe that there's a more important time for us to, to, to change our perspective on how we show ourselves off to the world. There's this like weird belief that we all have. There's like this weird belief that because I'm a Christian, because I, because I know Jesus, because I have the hope and what's going to come, because of what I believe, I have to look really good for everyone else. I've got to look really good. I've got to put on my best clothes, right? I've got to put on my best attitude because I want to be a good witness. 
I want to be a good witness. I, I was talking to Pastor Errol about this, and, and he said, uh, we are offering a diet plan, and I don't want to look fat, right? <laughs> if I'm trying to tell people, hey, here's, the, here's Jesus, and he's going to help you with your problems. He's going to be able to help answer a lot of those really difficult questions in your life, but I'm struggling, and I'm crying, and I'm losing my stuff all the time. I'm not making a good case. And we just, like, believe that. Nobody's ever really told us that, but we just buy that. And I think Paul, using the language he uses in verses three and four, he's, he's dismantling that. No, 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 no. Even I, Paul, don't have this all figured out. I also need prayer. I need to jump to prayer quickly and with thanksgiving. And I need to change my perspective. I've got to be real with who I am. And, and, and let's be honest, in your life, the people who have had the most impact on you leading you to Jesus, the people who have brought you closer and closer and closer to Jesus, were they the type of people who were just always so prim and proper, who always had everything figured out, never had any problems, never struggled, never cried in front of you? I mean, come on. That's not real. That's not real life. And when we hide those things, man, I think we're making a worse case for Jesus than we could ever make if we had everything figured out. Church, Paul is laying out, I mean, just a beautiful, here's the example. I'm going to be real with you. I don't have this figured out. And I need your help, too. We need, we need prayer, too. That's why I, I love this Morris campus. You guys get the opportunity to participate in that church building process. You get to see guys like Eric and me and, and the other staff here. We don't have it all figured out. We need your help, too. We have to be real also. We have to jump to prayer quickly. We have to do it quickly. And we have, to be thanks, we, have to be, we have to give thanks to God for even the rough things, even that annoying person in your life. We've got to change our perspective. We've got to be real with, with who we are. So that, right, and Paul even gives this answer. Paul, why am I doing these things? What's the point of me doing these things? And this leads to our third area of change. You can hit the next slide. Is We need to change the way that we proclaim. Right, if I'm changing my ideas about prayer and I'm jumping to it quickly and I'm doing so with thanksgiving and I'm changing my perspective about who I'm supposed to be and how other people are supposed to see me, then I can proclaim in a much more different way. Paul uses this, this phrase, make the most of every opportunity in Colossians. I think that is the like, crux of this whole further instructions point. I think Paul like, lands here as his takeaway. We need to be making the most of every opportunity. We have to be making the most of every opportunity. And what that looks like is it looks like us being wise in the way that we interact with outsiders. I'm sure that that's something that's been on your mind here at this campus a lot. The way that we interact with outsiders, we want to make sure that people come in and feel welcome. We want to make sure that people come in and feel grateful and, 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 and appreciated in a place where they can be real, right? And so we need to be wise. And that word wise or, or wisdom, I, I think it just really leads to like this idea of like good judgment. Paul wants us to have a good judgment in the way that we interact with outsiders. Paul talks about this in another book that he writes. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about the way that we talk to people who don't believe in Jesus, outsiders, as he likes to call them. Uh, the way that we interact with these people is very important. 
And Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this like crafted message that he builds when interacting with people. This is what he says. Uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 20, he says, to the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became one outside, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as, right? Paul is just explaining in in verse 22, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. Paul is talking about this crafted message that he uses to have the most impact for the kingdom of Jesus, right? He, he, he takes this making the most of every opportunity to the full extent. He talks about like crafting our message, changing the way that we proclaim the gospel based on who we're interacting with. And obviously, that's so true. I'm a youth pastor. I teach fifth through eighth grade students. There's some topics that I need to be careful about interacting with our students about. I need to craft the message in a way that they're going to understand it, and it's going, to be, it's going to be real to them. Then if I take that same message and teach it to a three-year-old, they're going to be lost. They're not going to have any concept of what's going on. And, and, and similarly, if I took a, a four-year-old's message and taught it to you this morning, I'm, well, I'm, you probably would like that, actually, maybe. You'd be more interested. Maybe you'd be more engaged. <laughs> uh, just pretend I didn't say that part. Um, but Paul is talking about like just making the most of every opportunity. We need to be proclaiming in such a way. And I think that that, right, that bleeds into that being real, right? Paul is just building this three areas of change, kind of this three-step process that all leads to us just making the most of every opportunity. That's Paul's final point. That's his further instructions, his last signature on the book of Colossians. Here's last things I want you to figure out. You need to pray differently. Do it quick. Do it with thanksgiving. And that's going to help change your perspective. And you need to make the intentional choice to change your perspective. So that way we can proclaim better. We can proclaim in a a better way. And, And then again, also make that intentional choice to change our message based on who we're talking to. Paul thinks, what a great closing to your letter. But Paul is not done. He's like our friend Billy Mays. But wait, there's more. Okay, he continues into this section called the final greetings. And I think Paul provides that opportunity right away. He tells the listener, he tells the reader, make the most of every opportunity possible. Do your best. Be an opportunist. Like, be on the lookout. Be watchful, he says. Be ready. Be ready. And then he gives them the opportunity to be ready for he, he, he starts this section, final greetings, by talking about a few of his friends. He starts with his friend, Tychicus. And uh, Tychicus is just a guy, he's a close friend of Paul's. And it, we get that from the letter, too. He's like, hey, I appreciate this guy. He's a homeboy. I really love him. He's going to greet you. He's going to be kind to you. Be nice to him. All of those things. And then we get into a name, Onesimus. And Onesimus, if you're the reader and, and somebody's reading this, you, you, you're probably like falling asleep or whatever, and you hear the name Onesimus, and you, did he just mention Onesimus? Onesimus is familiar to the readers of Colossae. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He's from the area. And his slave owner, Philemon, is a part of this church. And he's a runaway slave. So the listener reading this knows Onesimus. They know he's a runaway he is somebody else's property. 
And Paul now writes on his behalf, when he gets back there, accept him and welcome him. And Paul uses like a really crazy like little phrase there. He says, because he's one of you. He's one of you. Here's an opportunity for you to do that, Paul says. Here's an opportunity for you to pray. You're going to have initial thoughts about Onesimus. You're going to be angry. You're going to believe that he's someone's property. You're going to respond in a specific way. But not, Paul says, no, 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 remember. Be quick to pray and do so with thanksgiving. Right? And, 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 but Paul, that's Onesimus. He, he's a slave. He owes Philemon money. He, he owes Philemon whatever. He, he's Philemon's property. And Paul says, remember, we need to change our perspective. We need to be real. We need to see that Onesimus is a person just like you. He's one of you. And then Paul's final point is to proclaim, right? We're doing that. I want you to welcome in Onesimus because it's going to be a great witness for the kingdom of God. Okay, then Paul mentions another name, but then Paul gets into a fourth name. And this is the last name we're going to talk about this morning. He gets into Mark's name. And again, if you're the reader, if you're the listener listening to this lesson, you hear Mark's name and now your ears are definitely perked up. Paul mentions Mark. Paul and Mark have had some bad blood. They had gone on a missionary journey together a few years back, and Mark had abandoned Paul. He ran away. And so there's this bad blood, and Paul Paul is just like an all-in kind of guy. He's a full-in, he's just, I'm going to go all-in on the gospel, I'm going to do everything I can, devote myself to kingdom work. And Mark, being as young as he was, was maybe a little scared, and he backs out. And so there's bad blood. And people knew that. Paul and Mark don't get along. But look at the words that Paul uses to talk about Mark in this passage. If he shows up, welcome him. Paul is, is, is alluding to this reconciliation that he and Mark had had. Paul does this all the time. He gives us an instruction, but he also shows, hey, here's how I did it as well. Paul wants us to change the way that we pray. He wants us to change the way that we uh, view the world. He wants us to change the way that we uh, proclaim the message. But ultimately, if you can hit the next slide, he wants us to change the way that we repair, the way that we repair our relationships. I love that Paul provides that opportunity right away. Here's, here's, Here's my message for you. Here's things that I want you to do. And right here, here's the opportunity to do it. Remember, make the most of every opportunity. Paul just provides that right now. And, and, and although that Paul gives this example, he gives the example of repair uh, as a way to apply this pray uh, perspective, proclaim issue, it, it, that, that could be true for you this morning. Maybe you're in this room and you're thinking, I, I definitely need to repair my relationship. I, I know somebody in my life who I need to repair with. Or I, need some, I see somebody that I need to bring back into the fold. Well, I, I encourage you to use these three words, pray and change your perspective and, and so you can proclaim well. But it also just applies to everything, right? Making the most of every opportunity is making the most of every opportunity. Literally every opportunity. Paul gives this opportunity, but the opportunities in your life are way different. Paul challenging, is challenging us to be an opportunist, to be on the lookout, be open to the idea that God is laying out these opportunities for you to participate in his kingdom. That's what he wants us to do. He is inviting us to participate. 
And, and, and at this church, that is something that we really, really believe in. We believe in pulling you out of your chairs to participate in the kingdom work. Not because we like, not because like we want to like make this church big and great and grand and have a lot of money and do all, right? Like that, that's not our purpose. The purpose is we want to show you that this isn't just words on a page, right? If these words are true, then it really does change everything. And, and that's my takeaway for today. If you can hit the next slide. My takeaway is this. If this changes everything, then we have to make the most of every single opportunity. We have to be ready to jump on those opportunities. We have to be quick to pray, like really quick to pray, like right away. A situation arises in, in, in your family, and, and you, oh, I don't know what to do here. I'm not sure what to do. The answer is simple. We jump to prayer. We just, we have to. And, 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 and what does that prayer look like? It, it looks like a, a prayer of thanksgiving. God, thanks for giving me this. I know it seems crazy to, to thank you for a, a divorce in the family or, or a death in the family, but God, thanks for giving me this because I know you're going to carry me through it just like you carried me through the last one. And, and when we do that, that begins to change our perspective Right? That happens naturally. The perspective change happens naturally, but you can't just let it happen naturally also. You have to make that choice. I'm going to change the way that I see myself. I'm going to change the way I see others. I'm going to be real about who I am so I can make a great case, so I can make the most out of every opportunity. Many of you in this room are already doing that. You're already participating in that, making the most of every opportunity. We've got a video that we showed at our volunteer, at one of our volunteer nights. Uh, and it's just, uh, we're going to play that video for you today. I, and I, I want you to see what it looks like for you to make the most of every opportunity. What it looks like. And, 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 and this video is going to be talking about these people serving here at church. And, and that's a great opportunity for you. We hope that you're making the most out of your Sunday morning opportunities to worship God. That you're just participating in that. And, and, and we're inviting you into that. But it. Again, it doesn't just apply to the repair. It doesn't just apply to church. It applies everywhere. We need to be making the most of every opportunity. But I want to uh, bring your attention to these people and invite you in to make the most of this campus. Make the most of your Sunday mornings. Make the most of your whatever weekday night that you uh, may participate in. So uh, we're going to go ahead and play that video. Um, so to be honest, I haven't always been a very good um, helper. I teach at a public high school. I give and give and give all day long. And so when I go home or my weekends, I don't usually do those kind of things. So I haven't been very good about that. Um, but my husband has always done it. He has been an usher. He's been on the mission team. He's done all that stuff. So I just kind of sat back a little bit and let him do that. Even though he was a teacher too, he doesn't have any problems with that. I just kind of let him do those things. Um, Tim and I, when we first heard that you were planning or the church was planning on having a campus in Morris, I was so excited. You know how long I had been waiting for that? that? All those years I had to drive my children back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So we were all in and we felt like it was go big or go home. I wasn't making church and God a priority and I knew for me personally in order to make it a priority I needed to have some accountability or some skin in the game so I told Errol I'm like hey you need to hook me up with uh, someone to get me more involved 
because I know if I have something that I need to be doing at the church, I will be here every Sunday. So I had first started serving, um, Pastor Brent contacted uh, my wife and I and asked us if we would be interested in ushering um, a few times a month. And I said, absolutely, and uh, that started the whole thing. I think a lot of people don't want to serve uh, but uh, in, in church because they're, they're, they're not sure what they're getting into. I don't know if you've ever experienced, other other people have ever experienced that when you start something new, sometimes you're a little anxious, sometimes you don't know what to expect. Um, well, I mean, I'm no stranger to anxiety, uh, and it's become more social anxiety, and it's very natural for me to want to gravitate towards, like, solitude. Sometimes um, it's a lot easier just to kind of hide in the background and not put yourself out there. So. Um, Coming and serving, and especially greeting frontline greeter where you're saying hello to everyone, that's not easy for me to do. Makes you a little nervous, you're not real sure. But that day, that first day then we had our um, big meeting to, tie, to show us how to set things up, I had the, the strangest peace. When I walked away, it was like, it's like I had done this forever, that it was not a big deal. You're just getting to know other people. And so if you're doing the setup or teardown, you're having a conversation with people and getting uh, just feeling like you have a relationship with other people and you're drawing them in. Had a real good time meeting new people, meeting people that I have always known but kind of stood back afar because I didn't really know them that well. You know, when you're serving, you're around other people and I am a relatively new Christian, so in my mind, everyone else was that I was going to be serving with was going to be, you know, a A++, you know, extra credit Christian. And you know, the more you get to talking to them, they have real doubts and real concerns, just like I do. That has helped me make friends. Even though I've been here for 20 years, I think I have more friends now um, having to serve in a mission more because I've had to put myself out there. Basically, it's, it was awesome just to find other people that had questions, and just like I did. And we're, we're getting through it together, and that, that helps a lot not going through life and your your quest alone. It's all the little things that, that kind of week after week I get to, to see. Again, the cool thing for me is to see new families coming in. You know, we were a new family at one point in time and you're scared and you're nervous and you don't know what to, what to expect and to be able to see those people come and then to see them in other weeks and continuing to come and to see their kids joining and stuff, it's, that to me is, is really exciting. I started off, you know, a couple years ago not knowing what I believe in. I knew that there was a God, but I had no clue in what direction to go. So, you know, I studied, I looked at a bunch of different religions, I started coming to Mission Bible and that really hit home with me, but, um, you know, I think just coming once a week is great, that's a great start, but at some point, you know, if you really want to delve into the next steps of Christianity, you know, it's all about loving and serving others, and I find that hard to do just once a week uh, sitting at church for an hour. You know, it's one thing to just like sit there and enjoy the service, but it's another to like, you know, get in there and like put in your own part. There have been times and seasons in our, our life and in my life where I've served and where I've not served. And to, to compare both of them, when I've served, it felt like uh, the Lord was doing all the work. He was the one blessing. When I'm not serving, it's when I'm trying to do things on my own and it's, it's more of a struggle. Uh, just seeing both seasons of life of serving and not serving, I'd say go ahead and jump in because you'll see other people uh, uh, encouraging you and you'll be an encouragement to others. So to be like a high schooler serving in big church, it's kind of cool because it shows you that like the younger generation can do stuff too. It's not just 
the old people. So serving is, um, has helped me grow as a Jesus follower um, by being less self-centered um, and, and using my skills um, to help others and to focus on other people um, instead of myself. We had, I was able to lead a boy to, uh, to the Lord in our, in our small group. We gave the gospel message in our different groups and this, uh, this boy, I said, I'm not sure if it, you have all have accepted Christ. Uh, but uh, and all the other kids, oh, I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. And, uh, but I'm, maybe there's somebody who hasn't here. And this boy right in front of everybody, even though their eyes were open, he was not ashamed. He rose, raised his hands. And all those other kids affirmed him, that's great, that's great, good, good for you. And uh, so normally that's a delicate time. And most people close their eyes and, and pray the prayer. And uh, he's like, no, I, wanna, I want for everybody to see it. And he prayed right there in front of everybody and accepted Christ. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> it was so neat. God's given us all certain skills and abilities, and um, it's great to be able to use them to, to help other people and to help other, lead other people to um, Jesus and um, help them grow in their spiritual journey also. I, I was really moved when I first started coming to church um, with Jerry and Al, um, you know, they, Al especially, would always come around that counter of the coffee bar and acted like he knew me and would just had this amazing vibe about him. And I'm like, man, this, this, I feel like at home here. So then when they were called by God to go to the Morris campus, um, I knew that we needed some people around here to step up. And I was, I do my best and I try to give that same vibe and love to the people that come in. Um, as they did. That first day, that was just that peace and that has not disappeared. Every single day I walk into that school on a Sunday, I feel that peace, that this is my home, this is my place. For whatever reason, it's one of the only days of the week I, I get up out of bed and I'm excited to be there and there's something to be said for that. I know that's God working within me. He's given me the strength to show up on Sunday and do something that I'm not naturally inclined to want to do. I think of uh, the illustration of a garden. What, what happens at the beginning of a season? It's bare dirt and we're just planting seeds and everybody knows what is, is the expectation. At the end of the season, you're expecting to see uh, lots of fruit come up and so we're tending that right now. It's really the whole rest of my life has developed into, has followed suit to what I'm doing on Sundays. I'm taking that same serving mindset and take, carrying it forward into my week. I think it's helped me um, be what God intends me to be. My favorite thing about that video is every, every person in that video, I guarantee you, you talk to them, they'll just tell you, I'm just a normal person, just, just making the most, just making the most of this opportunity. In church, that can be you too. I, I look to so many, like honestly, I look at so many people in that video and I like really look up to them. Brianna Whalen, that girl who called all you old, I, I look up to that girl, man. I mean, she is doing it. She is out there making the most of every opportunity. She's doing it. And, and church, so could you. You could participate in that. Not because they're, they've got it figured out or not because we've got it figured out or there's like some secret key to unlock the mysteries of the gospel or anything. It's just real people admitting that they're real and letting God transform them into the person he wants them to be. He's offering the same to you. So church, if, this, if, if, if you believe this, man, if this changes everything, then make the most of every opportunity. Jump in. Let him transform you, and he's gonna use you, and who knows, maybe you'll be on that video next year. All right, let's pray.
God, we are amazed at the work that you do. It's mind-blowing to us. We see it just small little humans and we see all our imperfections and our insecurities and we worry that we can't accomplish, God. We're not good enough to meet the standards that you set, but God, you've set standards because you knew you were going to accomplish them in us, for us. So God, we invite you in. Show us the opportunities, give us those opportunities and help us to just jump right into them. Help us to make the most of every opportunity you give us. We pray all these things in your name, Father. Amen. Church, thanks for having me. Have a good Sunday.